We want to take a moment and give a shout out to our friends over at Stupid Rad Merch Company. Now, Stupid Rad is a great Midwest independent punk clothing and accessory shop, and it's also the official home for merchandise for bands like Red City Radio, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, The Bomb Pops, and so much more. They're also really big into wholesale, so if you're into enamel pins, if you're looking for shirts to get printed, these are the guys to talk to. Go check out their website now at stupidradmerch.com. You can save 20% off their line of Stupid Rad Merch Company shirts, accessories, and so much more. Place an order, use RADAR, R-A-D-A-R, as a special passcode at checkout. Not only will you support a great Midwestern independent company like Stupid Rad, but you're going to turn around and help support us with the On The Radar podcast. Get rad with Stupid Rad and be rad by listening to the On The Radar podcast. episode of the on the radar podcast we are the podcast that features music and artists and performances coming to through and from the greater midwestern areas my name is peapod i am at the brand new downtown waterville location of bigfoot studios mr travis guyman my producer this place is gorgeous very excited uh just uh, you know starting off with the little finishing touches here and there uh with stuff but we're very excited to be kind of the guinea pigs of this first recording and welcome to our second mixed signals episode so if you're new to the podcast first off welcome second of all uh this episode is focusing more on uh subject-based and panel-based uh, topics and discussions with a lot of uh, people who've been on the podcast before. So if you are brand new, this is a great way to check out some of the artists that we've had on and they're coming back more discussion about the inner workings of the music world. So good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming out to here on a Saturday morning. Uh, I know it's been tough, and uh, we offer you some beautiful donuts and coffee, so thank you so much for, for doing this. Um, let's go around the room, introduce who you are and your band, and uh, yeah, and go from there. Good morning. I am Carrie Langendorfer from the Amelia Earharts. I am Vari from Vari. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Dustin Galish uh, from the band Trino Leaves. Uh, my name is Evan, and I play in Outside. And I'm Rain Wilder. I'm a solo artist. And we've had all of these guests on in different episodes, on, on different uh, uh, special episodes. Rain Wilder, we did a deep dive into uh, self-help. Uh, Evan is part of Outside, the most downloaded episode to date. Uh, we have, I, I promise not as many shout-outs. Yeah, so one. many shout-outs on that episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for the next Outside yes, one. Next, next one. So that's we'll the tricks to tell people I did a shout-out and then they'll listen. Yes, exactly. It's got to be. It's, it's got to be. I'm, I'm pretty sure one of our members shouted out weed before. Yeah, he did. 
So yeah. Yeah. And it <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it's so sick. <laughs> Dustin is from uh, Trino Leaves, uh, so and uh, they have been doing some major things out of the Bowling Green area, and uh, they have uh, dropped their the most recent album, which is Profit Holographic. That's available now, whenever uh, and wherever you get your music from. Vari is the uh, the most listened to female artist. Uh, on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, literally, like, I see the stats and it's like outside and Vari, like, number one and two. So, like, one day someone's gonna, someone's gonna dethrone outside. So, so. we just gotta, like, we, we gotta, <laughs> just gotta keep, we, 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 gotta, we, we gotta fight at the end of yeah. this thing. Yeah. Or something. So, so this <laughs> actually, oh, this All will, right. this will double actually as a steel cage match. So, I don't know if you know this. So, hopefully, you came prepared. So, that's why the donuts and coffee. And uh, uh, Carrie with Amelia Earhart's was featured on our Mohawk Studios uh, grand mm. opening episode uh, two years ago. So, uh, thank you and welcome awesome. back. And you. Uh, you actually uh, recorded the new album uh, with Sean and Mohawk. And how's that been going on? Uh, we're about halfway done, you nice. know, like jobs and gig life kind of slowed down the process. We'd like for it to be going faster. So hopefully get another block of time and finish her up. But it's been awesome. Excellent. So here's the thing. So we're, we're going to start this off with a little bit of this kind of uh, first kind of somewhat heavy question. When was the moment for all of you that you wanted to pursue music as a full time career choice? I know obviously we all have our, you know, day jobs and everything, but you know, the goal for a lot of you uh, is doing music full time on a full time basis. So when was the moment that you wanted to do this more than a hobby, but as a full time? So, and anybody can jump in and start the discussion from there. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? We start heavy. Sure. I told you. It's like it's, heavy You got to think about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I would say it's more relative to like the, Real, the realization of the commitment to this thing that's sort of intangible and like it's hard to even it's like you're not growing up you're just playing you know there's something about committing to that and not seeing it as a hobby I don't know to me at this point I would like to keep Trinity's going until until I pass away yep. mm -hmm. I don't know if that means like I'm, uh, to me that's sort of a full-time musician too you know what I mean it doesn't mean I don't have other jobs but it's about pursuing something until its very end, you know, and I think that's for me when I realized that it was like I played sports growing up and I've had other jobs, but I usually lose interest after a while, you know, and at this point I've been playing music longer than I have done anything else. Um, and I think that I don't know how you guys feel the same way, but that was a realization of like this seems to be the only thing I think about every day. Yeah, man. yeah, totally. like, you know, every day, everything else I do lose interest in as well. I've my dad told me once that. I don't really follow through with anything like not like in a not, not nothing that's like super important, but like when I took karate, I got just below my black belt test. And I never took my black belt. Oh, wow. Test. I, cause I just didn't want to, I just got sick of it. That's but a lot farther than I, I ever got. It. I almost finished it. I did it. But music is something I've always just, it's always been there. It's always been picking at me. It's always been interested in learning this and learning that and trying to teach myself this or, or learn how does this work or how did they do this and how do I do that? You know, how does it translate? Like, it's just been something I've always been interested in as well, but I really don't know when that moment was, like you asked. Like, it's ever since I remember, I don't know, sometime when I was a little kid, honestly, probably mm -hmm. watching New Kids on the Block on a VHS, and I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> when I was like five. So it probably was then, you know, it was really young for me. I don't, next uh, person. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know if this made me want to like pursue it as like a career, but it's made me want to do music in general. I remember uh, I was relatively young, 
And my dad took me to go see a movie called School of Rock. Oh, yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, that looks so sick. And I like could barely play drums at all at that time. And uh, I was like, you know, I really just want to play in a band that looks really cool and stuff. And um, I don't know, like seeing the one kid ripping it on the, on the kid up there, I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> And I thought his hair looked cool too. So like, <laughs> I was like, man, that just needs to be me one day. And that's and, and that could be literally you because you are also a teacher. So yeah, you could be a teacher and do yeah. music. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I've I'm I guess I'm slowly becoming uh, Jack Black. The older I get. <laughs> Morphing. Which depending on the era, it's you know it's good pretty, or bad, it's yeah. pretty good vibe. I think so. I think early Tenacious D vibe should be good. <laughs> right now he he opened up a game channel, but like it's mostly all comedy because he goes, Yeah, we're not playing video games this week and then he's just like follows him with his sons. With a camera doing goofy shit. Yeah, those were sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're hilarious. Jablinski games. Oh, yes. Shout out to Jablinski games. Yeah, I'll, I'll shout out for sure. <laughs> I, went, I had to do one at least. I, I would also say uh, my dad's played music my entire life. Mm -hmm. And when I was like 13 or 14, he put out um, a record. And some of my first performances playing drums, he actually had me play the release shows like oh, nice. all over town and stuff. So like that was my first time really playing out in front of people. And... Um, so yeah, I don't know. Once I started doing that, I was like, oh, like I can play stuff and people are cool with it. Sweet. Because yeah. I'm used to just getting like yelled at for playing too loud in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now people want you to play louder. I don't know if they Usually. want that, but <laughs> it's possible. Right. Vari, when we first talked to you, you were, uh, you were almost at like a crossroads of your music career and now you've made some... Some changes, some lineups, some additions, yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, so where are you in your your journey right now? Then, um, so I'm working on a new EP. I actually just got the masters back the other day, nice. so that's really exciting. And I just shot the music video for my song Television. So things were kind of at a standstill last summer for mm -hmm. a while. I didn't really didn't really do much. Didn't have a job. I was like, I just need to like take a mental break from everything. And then in October. Um, that's when I started kind of writing again. And then it wasn't all working out like how I thought it would. So we got three songs together. Um, and then I was like, okay, if I try to do any more, I'm going to like have like a heart attack. I'm going to like stress myself out too much. So I stuck with those three songs. And now I've got an EP coming and it's going to be called Pieces Left Behind. I so. like it. Very exciting to go. see. So, but uh, where's where's the place then for you in your music career? Then, like, where do you want to try to pursue this full time? Is this this your outlet for things? You know, definitely my outlet. I just I've never been good at anything as much as I've been good at like writing songs. I just I remember when I was like ten, I started piano lessons, and then um, I started writing my own songs, and then when I was like fifteen or sixteen. I wrote this one song that I was like, dang, I'm not too bad at this. And that's when I realized I could get all my emotions and everything I wanted to get out on paper. And then I've just been writing ever since. And whether or not I make it, whatever it is, I'm just always going to be writing songs. So it's just, it's there. Carrie, you're the kind of the bridge between, you know, the band that does, you know, original music and then running, doing the, you know, the restaurant scene and everything and being almost more or less like a live jukebox of sorts. Totally. So it's very, it's, it's very interesting to see those two sides now in, in, in with Amelia Earhart's and your music career. So where do you want to take that? 
Um, it, that's an interesting question. It was like we started out doing the cover scene, mm-hmm. you know, with Megan and I, and we're like, all right, that's cool. Let's write some tunes. We wrote, you know, the first album, and we did that with uh, session musicians, which it was cool. They're all friends of ours, you know, but we just had total control of everything in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, we found along the way some more members, some more permanent members, and we've bridged the two sides that we kind of treated it like two different things for a while, you know, play just cover tunes at the cover tune gigs, play just originals at the original gigs, but we've been crossing over the original into the, the cover tune gigs, and sometimes we'll do a full set of original music. Um, we always had that fear that it wouldn't be received, you know, like people, are, oh, I don't know this song, but, right. you know, if you don't tell them it's something they haven't heard before, they tend to receive it just the same as something that they have heard before. So it's just been interesting, kind of like shopping the tunes in a live setting, you know, in a restaurant where usually background sound, you know, it's just interesting to be able to get that immediate feedback, you know, before the album's out. It seems like the, the, the cover band and the restaurant route, as much as that is, you know, the quick paycheck that I feel like maybe, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of just my two cents about it Mm -hmm. is that, you know, that's not the musical outlet. That's just doing music for the sake of just making a dollar that I feel like there needs to be somewhat of an artistic, because anybody can do, it seems like anybody can do, the, the key for a good cover song is like getting the original and then making it your spin on things. Mm-hmm. But when does that become you're the band that does the covers or you're the band that does your own music? Like where do you try to shine for covers? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's an interesting question. Also, um, I'm full of them. Yeah, you're bringing well, in the I mean, heat today. I, 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 yeah, I told man. you. I told you this is this is a lot different than a normal episode. So well, on the spectrum of doing covers, are you choosing yeah. it more based upon the, the venue and the crowd, yes. or or your personal interest in trying to do that? Because I feel well, like that's a little is bit cert- of both, honestly. Of both, sure. Like you know, I try to keep take the demographic into consideration when you're choosing the songs to get you know the, the proper response. You know, you, you got a job to do. You're trying to make the venue happy. Whomever's hired you, you know. Mm-hmm. But like at the same token. Also, we throw in the ones that we are interested in, that we enjoy to keep ourselves engaged and interested while we're doing this job. But like on the flip side of that coin, we've been received kind of differently, like in the original setting venue. You know, it's we've had to work twice as hard to get respect from people that don't do the cover Because tunes. the originals yeah. think you're the cover band and the covers think, you know, the right. cover band scene big thinks you're doing too many originals, stick to this lane. And I feel like it's kind of like our duty to like, bridge the gap you know I respect both outlets fully you know they both have their different quirks their different challenges and it's been you know it's it's we're still putting our name out there whether we're doing the originals or the covers or the parties or the community charity events you know we're still getting in front of people and we're still making sure we play some of our own music if it is a cover tune or you know Mm-hmm. You know, no publicity is bad publicity, really. Yeah, that's fair, and, and it's great because we have the, this panel full of like whole different music of rock and roll, of of pop, of you know jam band. Evan with outside is you know have seeds in the hardcore scene. Rain being a rapper. Um, let me take it to you two, uh, uh, Ryan and Evan. Um, doing hardcore music, Evan, uh, and the scene that comes from there. How do you try to get that then? to a massive audience because it's more of a niche type of music. Um, how try do you, how do you get the most massive amount of appeal with your music then? Um, well, the thing is like when, uh, when outside first started, we really didn't have like 
any of these heavier elements that we have now. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of, I don't want to say alienated ourselves, but we really stick to just that very emotional, um, alternative, some might call it uh, shoegaze type mm -hmm. music that um, was very 90s inspired. Well, over the years, and we started finding more influences, and then we brought Drew into the mix. Um, and between us three now, like, you know, we're heavily influenced by a lot of more of the heavier alternative side of things, and just from all this playing in hardcore bands. Mm -hmm. I think, especially with the newer stuff that we've been working on, um, we try to pretty much just like capture what we are creating at that, in that, mindset at that current time mm -hmm. and we had so many influences where it appeals to um more of like the the alternative indie scene but then you know one of the latest songs we play i'm like yelling half the song and i normally don't ever do that um so i don't know i i, I think it's just uh we don't intentionally try to bridge that gap i think we just do because um we've never really known any other way especially because um in my opinion there's really no other band in the area that kind of sounds similar to what we do so by default we always play like hardcore and metal shows just because typically all of our friends are on the show so yeah so to answer your question i'm not entirely sure how we can bring that to like a mass um audience i i think it's just uh I would say 50-50 of our stuff kind of appeals to that side. And what I always try to do, like when we did our release show two years ago, having acts from um, like Shitty Neighbors to my friend Libby DeCamp, mm -hmm. um, and then even my like hardcore band at Playing Law, like we try to utilize every this aspect of, of music that's available just I think it works better for everyone when you do it like that. The mixed genre shows, you know, which I've like, always enjoyed. Yeah, like I, 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 I think it's very uh, redundant to like go see a show where like all the supporting bands and the headlining band literally all sound the same. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I just saw the same set four mm -hmm. times in a row. Sometimes it works depending on the band, mm -hmm. but typically uh, I kind of like seeing it switched up. So I always try to do that all the time. And I think that's how we can bring it to that mass audience is to have, you know, those one or two bands that can draw that crowd. But then we also have the others that can bring more of like the underground, like hardcore scene too, that will make things a little bit uh, more exciting at some moments. So, yeah. Ryan, with hip hop uh, and such a mass audience with that, but, you know, you've, you've had your own personal struggles of being too rock for hip hop and too hip hop for rock. Yeah. So you, <laughs> as much as you try to toe that line at the same time, you, you're also setting yourself, you know, apart. And luckily there's more and more acts that have come out that, you know, have kind of bridged that gap. Your 21 pilots, for example, yeah. that can, mm -hmm. that can play both ends, represent. but yeah, represent. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it's a perfect example uh, uh, for, for that. So how do you try to get your music out there? Or you're at the point where you've done music for so long, you, yeah. you you know, did tours to in the UK, yeah. you know, to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm doing my music for me now. Yeah, I, I don't try, like, that's not, I don't try. I try when I make the music. I don't, when I put it out there, I don't try to, I just put it out there. I used to do the, like, the promotions on Facebook and all that, and then it just, and I don't, I mean, it works if you want to spend the money. 
it all we'll also it also moment. adds up you know um what was your original question uh, how do you try <laughs> how do you try to bridge your gap oh yeah uh, because you are uh, well, almost you're so, the odd man out in both so genres the gap, so like i I don't really get like the hip hop. I, I mean, I do get the hip hop fans. Like, I'll play hip hop shows, and there'll be people that like never heard me before, and they're like getting down <laughs> hardcore and jumping the whole show and stuff. But I also play shows with like Star Sleeper and Circadian and Goodbye Blue Skies and hardcore bands or like heavier rock bands, and I fit with their crowd too. And so to bridge the gap, you know, I started picking up. I'm like, well, I'm sick of just like holding the mic on stage. So the last couple of shows, I, I learned how to play like half my set on bass. So oh, that's cool. I pick up the bass and I'm like rapping and singing while playing bass, which was a whole nother thing for me to get down. I had to practice it every day just to be able to do it at the same time. And because for me, that was something I never really did before. Like I did a punk rock band before when I was 15 and I was like singing and playing bass, but. It was shitty, you know. We don't talk about that. I was basically singing the same rhythm as I was strumming, so it was just kind of, you know, not really. I mean, there's times to do that, but you don't want to always do that. So um, I picked up the bass again, and then I started. I don't know. I, I like playing with rock bands. Like I don't really like doing hip hop shows. It's just they try to throw like ten to twenty acts on one mm -hmm. show and yeah. give everyone ten to twelve minutes. And it's like I'm not down, I'm not a, oh, that sucks. I'm yes. not doing that stuff. So last last few years I haven't been really doing like those style of shows. I've been doing more like rock shows and I like those crowds better. All my friends are in rock bands and it's just I'm not really a rapper, you know, like I rap right. but like you said, it's right. I don't know what to call it, you know. Like my last album was very rap based, like with the beat wise, like you know, instrumental wise. Mm -hmm. But like lyrically, I'm not like topic wise. It's not what people would expect. That's why when they ask, "What kind of music do you do?" I'm kind of well, I rap, but it's more like a one man Lincoln Park <laughs> with more emotion yes. and putting all my That's stuff good. people shouldn't know about me out there. You know, just throw everything <laughs> in a basket and throw it out there. Yeah, and you know. and. Dustin, with the with the ever evolution of Trino Leaves and the and the different, and I always love the 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 metaphors you guys do for your band of the different branches because you've had so many. Uh, even since we've talked, you've had three different you know you know people coming in and out. How does that change up Trino Leaves? Do you feel like it oh it, it just adds something to the idea of Trino Leaves, or is it just there there is that kind of you have to start back from square one because you have a different mindset and you have to build everything back up again. It is a struggle. I think towards like, I mean, the band has existed now for about 11 years. So the first mm -hmm. half of the band, those changes were a lot harder to get through. It was a really a starting over process. So it was even trying to book shows. It was hard to say who we were or what we were doing. Even like, here's some videos from last year, but we don't do this at all. <laughs> yeah. These aren't very, half these people aren't here. So mm -hmm. it's a very hard. It's very hard. You know, I've been the only consistent through it all. You know, and so once I realized the first five years was figuring out even what we were doing as a band. And I think now once we've figured out there is an aesthetic that all the different players and musicians can sort of fall into that idea. And it, as it changes, it's not as drastically different as it used to be. I mean, the band has been a seven piece all the way to a two piece before, you know, so it's sort of when we were doing electronic drums and looping, you know, now it's, it's, it's a way different experience. So the struggle of that is one, trying to book stuff out of town is confusing sometimes because you don't really have like this thing that says this is what we are right now mm -hmm. you know and i think we've and we're always progressing too so it, it's tough to show people older stuff when you don't feel like it's as good as what you're doing in the right. moment is I, it also i totally can 
relate to that. Ditto. And that's yeah. a good thing, oh, too. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's a strength for the band because, one, like, we started a residency um, in Bowling Green. And so the fact that it's, it's fairly common for people to come and see us and be like, what in the world is going on? Like, you guys are a different band now. It, but that draws you to come see us again. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the same show. We do improvise a bit, and it's not the same set. But when you're really bringing in different aesthetics and different people, it really kind of makes a unique experience. So I've been trying to see it as a strength not necessarily as a weakness of like who are we or what are we. Right. Um, but that still makes it hard. I think any of us who are trying to, you know, you guys are we cover band, are we original band, him with the hip hop or rock. It's like same with you guys. Are you hardcore? Are we shoegaze? You know, it's sort of like tough to label things. And I still think that's really hard to break out of sometimes when you want to tell people what you do. So is the genre label then not is just not necessary anymore or is it like, it's just good for the introduction. And then from there you just, it's the music tells itself. I think that's part of it. I think the genre idea, I think because we're all exposed to more music too, the internet changed that where people's Mm -hmm. playlists are so Mm -hmm. just varied, you know? So I feel like if your music is going to start to become a little more, vast and like what your what your influences are for us we can jump around from time periods and styles and or countries of origins for stuff that we do so that i like that you know but it can be a little confusing you know where it feels like sometimes like it's like man if you were just a hardcore band this is what we do there's a scene for it we promote to those people it might be easier and i don't you know i'm saying that from no experience of understanding well, that kind of like what he's saying with, with like all the different like there's so many different like playlists that are out there now and like spotify and mm-hmm. all that stuff and I feel like it's it's caused a lot of music like uh, consumers to be very specific with what they want to listen to. Um, so, like uh, for the longest time, you know, when people ask what kind of band we were, we always just were like, oh, just like rock, alternative rock. And usually people are like, oh, okay, cool. And then one time it kind of bit us in the ass when <laughs> we played in like Nashville or something, and some random dude, I think he was a crackhead or something <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Nashville crackheads oh yeah crackheads. shout out to Nashville I mean he was walking around like barefoot and like half his shirt was off he was asking us to come to a hotel party it was a really weird time <laughs> but he asked what kind of band we were and we are like oh we're a rock band he's like um can you like be more specific cause uh that applies to a lot of different bands and I'm thinking when did you start sounding so sophisticated? <laughs> <laughs> like, clarity. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just a minute ago, you're trying to ask me to come to this random hotel room, and now you're giving me the history of rock and roll. It is natural. Cool story. Yeah. Excuse oh, me, Lord. let me pull out my monocle here. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think the idea of uh, the, the the streaming services and Spotify, and this kind of goes into one of the main topics here, is the idea of paying to play. And, uh, and Dustin actually is the guy kind of behind this idea who came up to me about, um, it's so hard to get, the internet is a beautiful and terrible place. Yes. And it's a beautiful thing that connects everybody together, but it's a terrible thing because it connects us all together. Um, and with, uh, the ideas of streaming services and Spotify, for example, you know, I, I don't have Apple music. So anybody, Brian, maybe you can tell me this. Does Apple music, uh, curate different types of playlists for you to listen to or no they do but i'm not one that like dive into playlists like i'm gonna listen to like 
I'm in a certain mood at the time. I'll wake up and I'll be like, this is what I want to hear. So yeah. I'll put it on. I don't really yeah. like people telling me what I want to yeah. listen to. So, so Sp- I don't really rock the playlist thing. I like, I like Spotify yeah. just that sometimes if I, do, if I don't have, you know, I don't, if I don't have something specific I want to listen to, I, I will pull on the daily mixes, which is, you know, up to six different genres of different, like similar artists together. And it, and it's kind of cool in the sense if I just need something at my desk, um, and I want to hear, you know, your, 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 your hardcore, your post hardcore type music. And then I can move on to, you know, your, po- your, your post rock, your ambient, your stuff like that. And then move on to, uh, you know, radio rock, butt rock, and then going into punk, you know, things like that. It's, it's nice <laughs> to have that different, I, you're laughing at the butt no, rock. Saying, like, <laughs> I don't even like put my, I, I don't even put my stuff on random. I won't even put my phone on shuffle, you Same. know, like. I gotta hear what I wanna hear. Yep. See, I, yeah. I sometimes yeah. I just need it because like I've been in this mood as of late. Like I can't I, I there's so much out there that I'll end up like leaning back to the, the same like four albums that yes. I'll always mm-hmm. listen to, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I also am the type of person and the and the and the things that I do both professionally and my spare time, like I'm supposed to be the guy who is open to everything. Mm-hmm. You I know? am right. dude, listen, I listen to everything. Yeah. Well the the problem with the daily mix thing too that I've run into is like sometimes like I'll be with you know, friends or when I say friends, it's mainly just Cody from outside. <laughs> we listen to very just just stupid things sometimes. This is like a joke or even like in my spare time. Like I remember the other day I was on Spotify and I was like, I wonder if they have Crazy Frog on here. Oh, no. And, and, dude, oh, they, no. they straight up do. And I was pretty like intrigued by that. What the problem is when you listen to some things like that, they're like, oh, we see you listen to Crazy Frog. Here's this in your daily mix. And I'm like, no. I played. I, was yeah. like, I, I don't want. I don't want to hear Crazy Frog right now. That was just one day that I was at three in the morning. I was drinking coffee. I'm over it now. Yeah, I sampled yeah. some music, and then now my the stuff it's it's suggesting to me in Apple Music is stuff I do not listen to. You know that uh, you I know, tried one country album out, dude. Don't try to yikes. throw all these country albums at me now. Now I had to like reset my like you know the stuff that I like so it doesn't do that anymore. I uh, <laughs> I I once played in the car with small children in the car. Uh, the Pen Pineapple Apple Pen oh song. Boy. I don't even know what that is. Uh, well, I'll show you later. You just YouTube it. It's you know? here. That's know. awesome. It's it's all it's, it's just based. It's Japan. That's all I gotta say. It's Japan. Yes. Okay. And and I played it in front of them, and now I'm like, oh wow, that's all on there now. And then I'll start getting those recommendations. <laughs> I'm I mean, that, exactly. I mean, yeah, no. in the car. I mean that, that's literally how like like on my Netflix, my parents use it, and uh. they ha- and, and they have my niece watch. Uh, word party all the time. So now am I things you might like or or, or, or continue account, watching, <laughs> dude? I, I go on to mine. There's at, four at, accounts. Yep. There's this, kids. There's mine. There's yep. moms. There's yep. <laughs> well, but here's yes. the thing. I'm starting to realize I might yeah. like the show Word Party myself. So it's just like now you're becoming your parents. It's the worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like I catch myself watching it with my niece and she doesn't even care and I'm like sucked into the story. I got into the, 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 the so like, Miranda sings haters back off thing. Too, I. I was like, who is can't this and why are you guys watching this? This is so I can't stupid. Do it. Yeah. And then I yeah. watched her and I realized in real life she can really sing like the best opera singer you've ever heard. And I'm like, oh, this is just an, this girl like knows what she's doing. And it's legit. My niece I wants like to listen to three things in the car. It's right now either Jojo Siwa, where I refuse to put that on. Oh, I just love like saying her name, though. Jojo Siwa. It's so fun. I can't. I can't. Oh, yeah. It, oh, is, yeah. it is Michael Jackson, oh. which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I only can hear Smooth Criminal X amount of times. <laughs> or, or it's now. Yeah, 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 put on that version. Or it's uh, uh, Lil Nas X. Oh, oh gosh. 
Dude, all my huh. students are about that. I remember one kid showed me he made like an orchestra arrangement for it. And I was, and in my head, I'm thinking that song sucks, but that's really cool. Right. This that, is like the horse, the horses in the back song. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what was crazy? Okay. They showed him playing for an elementary school, and all the kids are like, oh, he's skipping some of the they, words because he's probably told to, but the kids crazy. were screaming it, and they're like five years to eight years <laughs> it's old. It's a new so age hilarious. baby shark. And it's they're all screaming the lyrics, and I was like, it's nuts, but uh, to, saying that. <laughs> to going back to the to the main focus, like now in the age of Spotify and all of this stuff and everything, now you know how do you get popularity on your songs outside of normal place? And this brings up the Dustin's and the Dustin's issue is witnessing bands and people buying streams, buying likes, yeah, buying do shares. You can, buy, you can buy fans. You can buy fans. You can buy, buy followers. Fans. Yeah, but they're not real. They're robots. They, yeah. So what's the well, point? obviously, yeah, yeah. You, I'm you, doing this you wrong, can tell when man. someone has like 30,000 followers on Instagram, but they get 15 likes. Boom. Right. Because you, 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 you can wanna, sniff them all. If it's yeah. at least like 10%, it's not real. You know, so, 10% of them will like it. It's just better but, organically. But that, if it's... To me, the concern about that is that if sort of small-time bands, local bands can do that, that certainly correlates to major artists who also could probably trick the system into creating sort of a false reality of what people are actually consuming and what people actually want. Right. It, that's, it's, it's correlated to all of that, all the way to the very local band level to the highest level. And so I've seen, I've seen a handful of bands that have done that, spent money to get on fake playlists to, to increase their statistics and trying to understand, like, what is the actual motive for that? Or yeah. what is the but benefit But there's no real it? fans wait, behind wait, it, so yeah, you're not going to gain longevity or money off that. My old manager no. used to do that, mm -hmm. and I didn't know it. And I, I put a video out one day. It was on Thanksgiving, and it got, like, 30,000 plays super fast. The next thing yeah. I know, for some reason, YouTube took it down, and it's because they knew. They could tell. And he they tried to tell me this and that. He didn't, you know, and I ended up finding out, like, he was buying my likes Man, on Instagram. Man, that sucks. Because you don't need someone's password. He could just go in there and say what my Instagram name was, and then the whatever company he was paying would give they him the likes. They just add it to wow. it. And, I'm, I, it, and I, when I say, looked and went through them, I'm like, how come everyone liking mine has, like, no followers, and they got, like, two posts? Like, it's the ultimate... That actually, you know that actually recently happened to me because so, I, I had a spike of 200 likes in an out in like in 12 hours, and I'm like, I don't subscribe to any of that. Come to find out, uh, a couple of the people in the most recent episode did a whole invite like spree of all their entire friends list, and I'm checking every like and making sure it's an actual real person. Yeah. And a lot of them are just like super old people that don't know how to do Facebook, and right. they, they, we like know those. Yeah. But these yep. are all real yep. people. And I'm like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And like, I, I, I had like a panic attack. I'm like, did, did I get, you know, <laughs> I want, I want the real coverage and don't get me right. wrong. Yeah. There is something a little bit. Instead of buying likes, yeah. take that money and boost a post on your Facebook page because that's really going to get to real people and they're really going to see it. And it might be more expensive, but it's going to be real people who really might want to buy your merch or might really become a fan, but mm. buying fake, there's no point. In there's it. no it's point. Just, it's it's no just point. for aesthetics. Yeah. Like, well, it's to just me, they look good, but everyone knows it's not real. Well, there's a history within music of, of sort of simulating like uh, moments. It would say like a viral moment in the seventies, you know, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden a song, a single would jump on the charts. There's, if you research enough, like labels would buy their own records. You would, Oh, wow. You would put out a quarter of a million copies and buy like fifty thousand of them. Before wow. the payola rule, so and radio really stations fun. people mm. would so buy. Anything. So this is like where my concern comes is like when you have people outside of music when they see things that seem to be gaining traction, their brain will think that people like this, and yes. so I will like it as well. Yes. And I think that is why people do it. Is if you're like, oh man, this band all of a sudden has this many followers, 
if other people like it, I will like I it. There's, like there is this human condition to like things that other people like. So you people don't want to be left out. So even a video, if you see that like it got 10,000 views, you're more likely to go watch it now because you're like, man, this right. must be really cool, even if it's garbage. Right. And so, yep. but that to me goes to the highest level is like, why would we not assume that major labels are doing the same thing to, to make you think that something is better than it is? It's very tricky. That. It's scary for me because when you're a musician who's, and we're all desperate for attention, we're all desperate to like have our have the, like validation for our music, and when there's simulated stuff, it gets really confusing about where do you find validation. Obviously, just in real life, playing live music, people see you, they can touch you. But so much of us are concerned in the other parts of the industry, mm -hmm. where that's a small section of our day. You play for one hour, but all this other time you spend is in this other nebula of yeah. you know streaming and followers and likes and things like that. So. It's a weird thing. I mean, it's kind of hard to understand. If it's, I think it's really bad for musicians because mm -hmm. it gives us a really confusing space to exist in. And even consumers are now, you're sort of being given stuff to consume based on popularity as opposed to letting it yeah. be more organic, which we think the internet is supposed to be this organic thing. Like now we have freedom to choose the music we want when it's not necessarily as simple as that. It's, it's the idea and, and, and people are having a hard time trying to come up with their own opinion and the internet tone and everything. We can spend hours on end about you know what the culture is nowadays and, and being on this side of everything. When I look out and research for a band and everything, I look at labels, I look at you know reach, I look at like how long and what the quality is of the music and everything. I do research trying to go in there. Radio stations, it's all just fed now, nowadays about like on the corporate level of like we have these music labels and everything. I mean, at one time, if one radio station plays uh, on a consistent basis the same artist twice an hour because they that person has four different singles, top ten charts, right. you know, you know, what's the point of it? Like, how do you guys get your stuff out there if those outlets are not here? Even though uh, now on the internet, everybody has a platform, but everybody's trying to strive for the top platform. There's yeah, there's so much. It's that's oversaturated. There's mm -hmm. so much music out there, which is also a great thing. So I found some great new music because absolutely. Of it. Yeah. I love I love how streaming services work because there's albums that there's no way I would have paid 10, 15 bucks for it just to hear it if I've never heard it before, but now I can try it and either take it off my library or leave it on there and I end up liking them, you know? Well, like around when, when you first met uh, me uh, at that time, um, it was one of those things where like for outside, if you didn't come and see us play, you really didn't know we existed because mm -hmm. purposely for like the first two-ish years i made sure we the only form of social media we had was twitter we did not have a facebook page for our first couple of years and uh it it was cool because by the time that we did make a page the people who sought it out and liked it i knew that those are like organic like fans and friends that we met over the years just from diy touring and doing all those things so uh, so now, once in a while, I'll do like a boosted post of her doing like a tour or something, or sometimes I make really stupid flyers to promote <laughs> her stuff. Like when I was promoting her album, I put James Brown on the flyer just because <laughs> I wanted to. I always love those flyers. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, just like, and it's literally just from inside jokes that we all have, but like doing those things like that, um, 
Sometimes when I when I hit that boost button, and, and I feel like I'm I'm cringing yeah. on the yeah. inside. Yes. Because yeah, at yeah. one time, because at one time I told myself mm. I would never do those kind of things. But I do see the benefit too because it has helped us out. But it gets and buried if you don't now. The algorithm yeah. it just gets buried. Exactly. Yeah. But is doing that now is, is is paying for the boost like today's like the internet's version of pay to play. That's a good question. That's that's something so I want to because I've done yeah. that when I was on tour. We had to. We play at this place called the Dragonfly in Los Angeles, and we had to pay 250 bucks to the promoter to get these tickets. And if we would have been able to sell all the tickets he gave us, I think he gave us like 50 bucks, we would have yep. doubled our money. But we're on tour in town the day before, playing the show the next night. No one knows who we are. So you had so, to sell tickets when you were on tour? Just for that show, but we Damn. wanted to play in L.A., and it was, our only, it was our best way in, and we had a friend's band playing. But the promoter was like, we had to pay 250 bucks to play it, and it was a great show. But that was the only time we've ever done that. And what do they expect us to do? Like, we just handed out the tickets for free. We weren't going to sell those tickets. Like, right. no one knew who we were, you know? That was back in 06. I want to take a quick break in the middle of this podcast to first off thank you for listening thus far to the On The Radar podcast. And if you like what you hear and you want to be more involved in this wonderful project, well, check us out at our Patreon page. Now, depending on what level you donate a monthly fee, you can get a better experience and a more in-depth and involved experience with the On The Radar podcast. We do this podcast to not only show love for the Midwest, but to show all of these great music these men and women who are working hard to get their art out into the world and we are giving a stage for it. There are links in the episode description. There are links at our social media pages. Consider checking us out and donating at our Patreon page. So the internet idea of pay to play because, you know, we all at one time had to do some kind of payment to get things actually seen. Is Is there a way that we can do the same amount of work for less money? Is it really necessary? Is it an idea that needs to now start being abolished due to the, the old powerful algorithm that we all have to go into the system? Like, is there a way to try to break out of that? Because obviously the likes and the shares are, are somewhat of a measuring tool on how much you're going to be paid attention. Unfortunately, yeah. well, I feel like that's almost that might not be true anymore. I think I think it used to be it felt like the likes and shares. I think shares is still a powerful one, but likes and are so sort of easy. You're literally just going, right. yeah. You're just touching your phone. You know, it's such an like a easy like. There's no effort. There's really no concern with it. So, I mean, there's been discussions of removing likes from people's posts so that you're actually just providing content. Mm-hmm. That's like something I've struggled with with YouTube. Is like I looked, I tried to remove our views from our videos because it's like I don't care I just want our content to be there for people I don't want them to watch and go how many other people watched it right. why is that relevant you don't watch a TV show and see a little live thing under here like this many people are watching you know friends right now and you're like <laughs> oh man you know it's just really strange to have that data at all points it could be cool to have it under the table or not even have it be shown but it's just sort of it's a confusing thing about it. I mean, yeah, Netflix you know. doesn't show how many people they don't even tell like like Joe Rogan doesn't even hear how many people watch his comedy specials like they don't give this the view info to even the people that are on their specials so I would like to see and, that and as bigger sort of than change perhaps because you like the internet's so powerful but why put why always put these numbers to it as a relative to success Cause too because like popularity contest and they want to totally yeah because you put up a post five people take that record home listen to it and have some more like emotional experience but you only got, you know, 10 likes, but you could have 100 likes in a picture and no one had anything yeah. correlating. But you might feel like that 100 like thing was way more successful with this other thing that three or four people had a feeling I, connected I feel like to might n- be more important. But you're not going to see that. 
on your phone. You know, you're not going to understand that. I think. I think the numbers game though, with like the, the views and all that, that's just like the business side of totally music entertainment that I try to not mess with at all. Just because like I, I've had friends that have like done the whole like have managers thing and and you know talk business talk with agents and all that stuff and that just sounds like absolute <clears throat> hell to me so <laughs> for right now i'm totally happy with just kind of like having you know me and and my two friends run everything and and have a friend of ours book us a show in a basement in pittsburgh i'm totally okay with that for right now just because i feel like in the long run that will help us out for what we're trying to do and um and, and it's helped us out so far but uh but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with the whole like, you know, like people kind of getting influenced by uh, seeing, you know, the amount of views on something or the amount of likes and, and then being like, oh, well, you know, everyone else is doing it. So cool. It, it, it must be must be cool if, if, you know, a thousand people viewed this after five minutes of being up. It must be cool. So like I, right. I, I totally understand that. But if you didn't see the data, you would just experience it for what it is. Yeah. You know what or I mean? some people just want it all too, because some people are just they're just uh, like followers like that. You know, some people just don't think about those things. So then, what would be then the new measuring stick on determining what level of professionalism you're at? What What's the difference then if we remove all the likes and the shares and the data and the and we're back to the square one of like the music tells the story? Then how do we determine? What is a garage band and what is something that is, you know, can sell out your venues, your stadiums, things like that? What becomes the new standard? It feels like it's connected to sort of how many people show up to your shows, yeah. how many people actually buy your record or, you know, there's like that sort of, no one even talks about that. Like how many records you sold this year, man? I don't know. No, you know, it's like, streams. how many streams you get? It's streams, yeah. yeah. It's not like, like an antiquity. Like we sold like 65 vinyl records since September until now. That doesn't seem like much, but that's actually a, a, a large amount of money. That's like twelve hundred dollars an album, and sales. that's huge because. But we know. but we still feel like the record sometimes is a failure because we don't haven't even broke a thousand streams on Spotify for any of our songs. So it's like this really strange thing of like trying to tell my bandmates like this is sick. Like, we've had like almost like success. We've sold twelve hundred dollars in album sales. That sounds that's great. But then when you think about how many streams, you know, it's. it's and bands are like musicians are so delicate. We're all very like emotionally like I'm a band leader because I'm even keel, but I have to deal with people who are like emotionally distraught. They're like they're like they're not like these tough skinned people. They're not like coal miners. Like we're musicians. Like we're trying to express like ourselves. Like how you did the so. muscle man with the coal miners. <laughs> coal miners. So they're like, lumberjacks. Whatever. Yeah. We're musicians. But but it's true. And so like yeah. I mean here's uh, my example. I'll give why this stuff like bothers me is that a bandmate of mine. Uh, saw a video that was released by a band and saw how many streams it had gotten and was like, wow. And then we put out this cover and we put, we put out this like really like elaborate, like music video with it. And we like we mixed the hell out of it. We were so proud of it. And like, when we put it out, there, there was no sort of data to sort of say like, how good was this or did people like it? But when you compare it to other things, it seems like you were a failure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really and like I have to bring my bandmates out of that and try to give them perspective of like, it's not a failure, but like, but again, what is, we're trying to figure out what is, what is success? What is success right now? You know? Well, it was really weird to me is like, not to like show my numbers, but I have this app for Spotify on here. I have yep. one album has literally yep. zero streams. Okay, one album has zero strings, but I have another song 
that has 90,000. So how do I have one song with 90,000 streams and then every, they, and nothing and, on and zero? People, and that it's, many people listened, and then they didn't want to dig deeper and listen to other stuff. And none of my other songs are close to that number. So does that mean did everyone listen to this and they just didn't like it? They're like, oh, fuck this guy. I don't want to listen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so like he said, like we're not thick-skinned. Like I could look at oh, – some people could look at it and be like, oh, that's sweet. That's a lot for right. like, someone who's not known like, like me. But – or I could also look at it as like, oh, it caught a whim and no one liked me, you know? Right. So it's it like, work against you, yeah. You know, that's the danger of the Spotify you're never happy, you know? You know, it's such a, an industry, though. It's like... But I know the only you... reason that one has a lot of streams, not to interrupt, but I oh, know no, cool. the, the only reason is because of the guy who produced it. That's why it has oh. more streams, because mm. Capital ha- Capital Records has distribution with it, so that's why it gained traction. Not because of me. So it makes also makes me feel like, oh, they were smart for not signing me for a whole album because it looks like... I wouldn't have gained as much of success with other songs. Again, it goes back to the numbers <laughs> now. It's now just a numbers game of un, unreal you know, those numbers. numbers for unreal people like them. People, yeah. you, know? you don't have 90,000 people listen to it. You have just have 90,000 plays. Right. Which is not, not the same. Right. It's not the same. I'm That's lucky if I get that. 900 plays. So like. <laughs> well, I'm saying, but none of my other songs. I got songs yeah. with 100 streams. Yeah. Right. You know? So yeah. how is that the same artist? Right. What were you going to say, Carrie? Oh, it's just like, it's interesting, you know, talking about like the fake numbers and the reality and like, it's like, do we really care about these numbers? Like, would we still be making the music and putting the blood, sweat and tears? I do because all the time I put into it, I want people to enjoy it too. Right. But I don't anymore. I don't like put my self value or my music worth at it. That's why like I'm starting a side project now and I'm still trying to decide if I even want people to know it's me when it comes out. I might just go dark right. and be that mystery artist with wear it. Oh, that would be cool mask. though. It's not going to sound like me and I would Heck wear yeah. a ski mask but 21 already did it. So Yeah. <laughs> So I uh, Orville Peck is uh, I don't know if you've seen him or heard of him. He's like this guy's he's, dude's he, voice. He's pretty sick. Yeah, the guy's voice yeah. is literally sounds like Elvis, but he wears like a mask with fringes on it. <laughs> but like, it's, I'll show it, it's, it's, it's cool. Cool. but like the it music itself. Like not only did I hear I heard of the name and I listened to the music and then I look at the guy and I'm like. These two things I, don't. I will say I, I saw like a flyer for his and like the whole gimmick thing is what drew me in. So I get it. But when I heard the stuff, I'm like. Oh wow, this is like not like a joke. It's no. like you but know it's, you it's, like it's, it's, it's like a serious thing. You put all that time into your music. Like you want people to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. those numbers do they mean something to you? Without- uh, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they they should. But like how we've carried ourselves for our originals and well, I guess even for like the, the cover tune shows, we don't we don't purchase the likes. We you know, I want to make sure all those numbers are truly organic. Yeah. I mean, as much control yeah, me as we too, can yeah. have, you know, yeah. like I don't try to push the stuff if these people don't want to hear it, you know. And the biggest compliment is going to places and being like, oh, you played the Amelia Earhart's. I've seen you here or heard your song here. And that's the most important to me. Yeah. It's not it's not the, the views and the this and that and all that other bullshit, you know. It's just like. Working the grind, working your butt yeah, off. Too like you've worked your butt off. You know what I mean? Like all of you guys yeah. have worked your butts off. You yeah. Know? It, yeah. It makes me scared because like all, the people who are committing to work, it's like it's this thing that's supposed to be helping you is in some ways like because of all the data can slow down like your creative process almost and make you question yourself. And like I don't think those things were put in place to maybe cause you to question things sometimes because I mean back in the day you really the only I mean I don't. Granted, none of us were in bands in the '90s, so I don't know how this stuff worked before. I was though. I was. I started in '96, but oh, did you? And you, and you just made me remember something. Like it was just posters. It wasn't just posters. I used to make songs. It was just. I mean, how do you promote yeah. things? You just made a poster, we, we and that was flyers, it, right? We, yeah, I mean, we went to flyers. We made like, flyers, and we 
Street. And we went to the show at Headliners or whatever it was, and the parking lot was full of cars, and we would just put flyers on people's windshields. So I think some of that needs to be found again. I think that's part of it. And telephone poles. But back then, I didn't worry. I would write the songs, and I'd be like, oh, man, no one sounds like me. I love this. This is awesome. And I wouldn't think about it. And then, you know, music changed, and the internet came out. And then I did start questioning, oh, well, this isn't as good as this guy, or this guy does this. This sounds better. Like At least that's how I think. And I'm like, well, these guys sound more original than me. Like, how do I find the originality in me? You know, and I never used to think like that until, like he said, until like. I want to take, I want to go off of that, that topic because Vari, you have the, probably the least amount of experience of everybody in the room, yeah. but you are working harder on your stuff and you've had some viral, you've had videos reach so many views and things like that. So how do you try to view yourself as a budding musician and trying to, trying to step yourself away from everybody else? You know, my thing is, I think as a woman, you get on social media and you see uh, a lot of dressing down and I kind of went that path because it's like, okay. They see certain parts, people are going to gravitate more. You know, if I'm showing some cleavage, people, I'm going to get 250 likes instead of what I just posted <laughs> mm-hmm. about my music video, which is way more freaking exciting than my body, and it gets like 100 likes. But I'm like, but people are still going to watch. People are still going to be there, so I can't focus on the likes because more people are paying attention than what I think. It's just not what they want to look at, but they're still listening. And it's just like... Uh, I guess with the Ohio video, so many people were able to relate to that. And that's when I realized, you know, if I just stick to like being myself, because that's why last year I just went through so much with like social media and likes and trying to compare myself to other musicians and other people. And once Ohio and I did all my fall, once I did all that stuff, I was kind of realizing like if I just stick to being myself, the likes don't matter. People are going to listen anyway. They might not show that they're listening but they're, they're there and they're listening more than what I think. So I've just tried to kind of uh, erase the, the likes and the views. And then if I just focus on what I'm doing, I mean, eventually it'll catch, if I never give up, it's either going to mm-hmm. catch on or it's not. So what does it matter? You know, I guess I've just been. As long as you have fun with it, it's all that matters Boom. Yeah, at the end of the day. Right. And that's, and that's, that's, what, yep. that's what we always try to do. And that's what I realized when shooting my television music video. I was like, this shit right here is it's worth it like all the tears all the pain all the stress like everything those moments it's what makes it worth it and then if it gets five views i don't really give a shit because that was so freaking fun and this is what i love to do so someone told you beforehand you're going to do all this work and it's going to get five views or it's going to get a million you're not going to do it still do it hell yeah right (laughs) some people might not (laughs) but i'm still gonna gonna go yes i'll I'll do whether it's money success whatever i'll still gonna be that's why I started teaching myself production and piano and stuff because I'm like, I can't do rap or the kind of music I'm going to do when I'm 60, but I still want to do music. You still so want to do I'm it. I teach myself the music I can do at that age now sure. so I can produce music and maybe make music with my grandchildren to right. sing on because, or my son because he loves, he's, he's going to be, I mean, he was born with right. a voice. So I'm like, I'm going to learn this now. So when he's 16, I can make his music. Work. Right. And he can, you know. Well, that's a discussion that I've had a lot with like, once you have a child, there's this sort of societal pressure of, if you're especially, especially if you're not a musician who's making money, like monetarily wise, of like it's time to quit, like stop screwing around, like you're wasting your time. You're supposed to take care of your kid, and I always felt like I don't think I could ever look my kid in the face and go, you know, I had to quit music because uh, you came around. You know, like it was just Shouldn't be it just like was that. too much. You know, I was like really enjoying myself. I feel like the kid would resent you for it. Mm-hmm. You know, so there is something about committing to doing something 
that I hope all of us have that idea of like, I've always wanted to like almost lay my deathbed and be like, I got like 70 records out. Right. Like if you want to know me, just dig into that, like sort of creating a legacy for yourself. And I think that's where a lot of this Spotify and YouTube and Facebook, I'm being straight. That shit might not be around 10 years from now. These, these are temporary. These are temporary. These, there are, it'll be replaced by, it could be replaced by something else, but like these are temporary vehicles that they pop up and they do this thing and they'll go away. So I think if you're a musician, if you at least can see through the fog and realize like these little gauges for like success and numbers might not actually be around forever but your music it's not will matter when well, that's why you have a day job to support if you love it you love it you you're gonna do it well well i mean like that's that's kind of the struggle that my dad had for so long when me and my sister were born because like he played in rock bands like all when he was my age and stuff and he's a drummer too and uh and so when we were in the picture um they kind of brought things to a screeching halt for him but, you know, and he tells me all the time, he's like, you know, I could have tried going to Nashville or L.A. and try to do things, but I wanted to stay behind with, with you guys and stuff. But that being said, he still kept playing shows. I remember yeah. when I was a kid because uh, my parents split up really early on. And I remember, like, I would call him to want to, like, go, you know, stay with him for the night. And he'd be like, oh, why well, have to play this Friday? And, like, I know most kids would be bummed that they couldn't see their dad because of that. But I always just kind of knew that, like, that's something that he really wanted right. to do. So when I would hear him say that in my head, I'm thinking, that's so badass. I'm glad and you said that. Uh, I feel like that's so, what you wanted. Like, I felt like my dad yeah. was like, man, I'm like, sorry, you can't hang out this weekend. I got a kick-ass show. I mean, like, cool, I'll play some video games and tell me about it when you get home. Right. You know, it's sort of yeah. like, it's different if your dad's on the road or your mom's gone for months at a time and they're just sort of this in and out figure and they like, you know, buy you a present every couple months or something. I mean, that'd right. be terrible. But the thing with music now too, you don't, that's another I would like to maybe bring up is the idea of being on the road like this sort of like do you have to be a traveling band to be successful that's one. another subject that i that you recently know, been talking do you need to tour nowadays some say they have to to make the money i think those are the ones that are under those like 360 deals with the labels they have to tour to make the money for themselves but no i really not don't this think day and so. age, not at I know, all yeah. I don't the most successful rich musician i know doesn't tour Thousands you know? of streams that don't I mean, I think like not house. playing yeah. his hometown every day, but like the idea of like actually just being gone and like what it means, like physically, how that hurt, like affects you mentally, the travel mm-hmm. time, like it's not a sustainable way to live. And I think mm-hmm. it's sort of like this like nostalgic idea of like just getting in some crappy car and barely <laughs> and barely surviving <laughs> yeah. and being barely smacked on a bunch of drugs money. and like sort of <laughs> Tours hard, getting man. back. You know, it's a very hard thing. It's not a mm-hmm. natural thing. And when did, you know, music is a separate thing from that. You know, they don't have to be the same Evan you're really silent right now because you it seems like you do not agree with you need to tour no it depends on what kind of band you are okay um it's like if you are a band or an artist that writes very easily accessible music and and I don't mean that in a negative way because like like I said my band many times have alienated ourselves music wise to where like there's some songs like I could show my grandma and she, well, actually that's not true. My grandma will, will check out anything because she's just cool with whatever. <laughs> Side note, I remember she bought me a Norma Jean CD when I was like really younger. And I thought that was so sick. Yeah. Well, I told her, I was like, hey, they're singing about God. She's like, well, that's fine. So whether they were, if they weren't at that point in time, I don't know. But regardless, um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, I know some bands that don't tour whatsoever um, and they uh, put out some 
some like really good EPs or singles or a full record and then like things kind of skyrocket for them out of nowhere. What I've noticed is that if you don't do the whole touring thing, if you are going to be successful, I think it happens relatively really fast. And, it, and I've seen that happen for a lot of artists, which is cool. And some of them I'm really good friends with. But in like the stuff that I try to do and other bands that I see, um, I feel like the DIY touring is very important because that's how you find your new friendships, your new relationships yeah. that you wouldn't be able to find otherwise because in that whole scene of like DIY emo and rock and, and whatever is out there, there are so many bands. Like it's, it's actually like insane how many bands there are mm -hmm. that are all trying to do the same thing. And from what I see, it's the bands that are constantly out on the road, constantly meeting people doing kind of the most that kind of stay in people's minds a little bit longer and faster than those that maybe will tour or something here and there. And that's why, like, even with me doing the whole teaching thing and everyone else in the band, we all have full-time jobs and Drew plays in other bands too. Right. We try to tour as much as we can, and I think we're going to pursue that more once we get the new record out and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a, ne a necessity depending on who you are, but it's not Definitely for everyone. Bands. More rappers, no. Because in a lot of that yeah. stuff, I mean, you got those SoundCloud rappers. Yeah, yeah the hip-hop yep. one, yep. they never have to do it. But, yep. but there's also that thing to where it's like, musicians want to go out there and play in other cities in front of crowds and people that don't normally don't see them or in a city that you haven't grown up in, you know? So, it, But it's also, there's different like levels to it because there's like producers, like, it depends on what kind of musician you are. Like, if you are you in a band, or there's producers who just sit in their basement all day, like my friend Tommy, and makes number one Billboard songs, and he doesn't tour. He just he, he, he's right. the whole band. He's one guy. Right. Does the piano, does the strings, does the orchestra, does this and that, throws it out there, and he's beyond successful. So it depends, you know, what kind of musician you are. I think if we have to remove, if we have this talk about removing data and everything, then I feel like the, the the amount of success has to come from the shows. And I feel like if you need to get to the most, if you want to scale it all back, if you want to take it to quote unquote the old school way, then I think the touring in in some aspects is now important. Um, and but the idea and and we touched this upon a little bit, and, and and I loved how Dean said this back in the rover, and I talked about this recently in a few episodes. But like what he said is like the idea of the Spotify bubble will eventually burst, and then bands will go back to the old school of just doing the regional route, not necessarily mm. national tours. That's more what I'm trying to get into. Yeah. To yeah. cut you off is yeah, the the national idea I think is just so. I mean, gas prices, like just everything is sort of unattainable. And like, and we all know the bar scene is not what it was. No, no. Five years ago, what it was 10 years ago. It's, it's, it's dying. It's a, it's an old beast. A lot of people are sitting on their couches. When you're doing the cover, when there. you have to do the cover band route, not, not to, to not to target at you, Carrie, but mm -hmm. like it, because you have to do that cover band route and the cover bands are they're They're doing much more stuff around on a touring basis than the actual original act, but more people will go to the cover band seeing things that have already been done mm -hmm. in a new way, sort of. Um, you know, when there's three different, I made this, uh, I made this recently, when there's three different Beatles tribute bands fucking touring yeah. in one year, they will all come. Yeah. Like how many more people to have, has to do, you know, Yellow Submarine? 
How many more people <laughs> has to cover that? Like, I don't understand it. But like now, you haven't heard our cover yet, so. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to listen to that. Cody would probably would like refuse to, see. Back in to cover that. To like t- right. t- the early 2000s, it didn't matter. You would go to headliners. You'd go to Frankie's. You would know it would be packed. People yeah. would always show up. People and would now, go off the street to go see a show, well, no matter what. Even for me, like in like 2005, like at Howard's, like I would go there on weekends, and there would be terrible bands playing, and the place was packed. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. we're exi- like we're all living in a different world. So that's where you the, the touring thing is weird people. to me because like you can't just go to these places that have built-in crowds and there's a bunch of young people there enjoying right. it. Like, it's not our parents' world. It's not, it's a different thing. And I don't, that, that's where it's like maybe touring. And some of the DIY, you know, basement show, that's, I, there's merit to that, but there's like, but there's no monetary thing there. Like, it's this very, dis, it's kind of like this idea of like, oh, maybe if you guys want to donate, maybe give us money. And that to me seems almost, it's, a, it's another disrespectful side of like, it's either like you play in a bar to drunk people who don't, aren't as like into what you're doing and that scene's dying. Or you do this DIY thing that's just like, it's all free. Everyone's like cool with each other. You can give us money if you want. Peace, love, and happiness. Even though like my gear cost, like we're walking in with $20,000 worth of gear and like all this money and like, and you're stressing to like give me like a couple bucks. Five bucks. You know, it's, that's my experience with the DIY scene hasn't well, been it, that positive. It's been, like, it's been good for like this, the community of it. Yeah. But if we're trying to say like, I'm trying to spend money to come play for you, you're supposed to be paying me to do this, and like right. that's yep. the thing. As musicians, we need to grab back hold of. That's why I have like, a deal. We are job. worth money. Like <laughs> right. this, is, this is a skill set that like we have that you don't. Like you should be yeah. paying me for this. This is not just a gift to you. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of people want some handouts. Like give me a free CD. Like, hey, I, I get, put a lot of money just, in yeah. that hey, CD. Can I get, can I get it free to your show? Yeah. Well, the, the whole DIY thing. There are some DIY places and promoters that do it really well and do it right. I don't even know any of them or and, what this. What, and, do it yourself. Or is it like a club that you you pay them money to go play? Yeah. Oh no! It's usually like it's no. usually somebody transferred so a house. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way: the last tour that we did, um, we played at this place called the Witch House in Grand Rapids, and we're actually playing there again in August. I'm trying and, to do um, some of this. What's it, it, it? And it's literally <laughs> just a. Uh, it's just uh, our friend Sam that we met, who does shows in his basement, and Lots we played there. Yeah, and then from all the donations and all that stuff. From that alone, we made like over a hundred bucks that night, which we're lucky if we get anywhere close to that. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of people bought merch, which was really cool. And then, uh, and then it's funny you mentioned Howard's and another iconic DIY uh, venue that I played at many times is. Uh, do you remember the BLV House in Bowling Green? Is that the white? Was it like that weird sort of like White House? Probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, so my friends. Uh, Sean Patrick and Matt Gruen, they both ran that space for the longest time. Mohawk? And, uh, uh, no, it's uh, just a BLV oh, okay. house. Yeah. But to me, the struggle of those and is, so, like, these are temporary spaces a lot of times, though. It's really like, oh, man, we got a place. Well, for, and it's not this, like... Even though the place so, is like, temporary, the promoters and, and the... Uh, and the initiative is uh, is not, and that stays on forever and ever. So, yeah. like for instance, there have been so many DIY houses in the Toledo scene Peapods that have come a donut. and gone, <laughs> but there are still people that are pushing to do that. So, like right now, you have uh, Holland House who just had a show last night, yeah. and then and, and now in BG you have the Summit Shack that's doing really yeah. good things too. So, um, I, I feel like there. as long as that uh, um, that aspect and that work ethic of DIY stays. Um, you know, a venue is, is just, it's just an empty building that you just promote at. So like you can make anything 
a, a venue at this point. I mean, this what, could be a venue. What, 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 one of my favorite. Travis is now a venue. Well, one of my favorite shows <laughs> that Outside ever did, we literally played at the pizza shop I work at. Oh yeah, and it I'm worked. Bummed yeah, that I missed that. And it was, and, and we shop. had, we had like almost probably fifty to sixty people throughout the whole night, and those are only people from Monroe that came out. I don't, maybe two people came from Toledo. So like, I don't know. It's even though, yeah, like there isn't a lot of money involved in it, but um, for right now, I, I feel like. If Outside's ever going to make any money, it's definitely not going to be at the state where we're at. Look, then for promotion wise, then you know that viral video of like that hardcore band in the Denny's. You know, <laughs> let's just start. Let's uh, let's just start then, just like that Shakespearean side of everything of just like why don't you set up wherever the fuck you are and then play music. Rover's been doing that. Rover started genius, doing that, yeah. which is genius. And I feel yeah. like that we should revert back to that sense of just like, let's bombard people yeah. in a physical sense and not a digital sense. Because digital is almost so, is, is only, can go so far. Right. But then if we need to start having more places for people to play, now how do other people get their money? Which leads me to my second part of pay to play is these venues or these extra steps and these jump ro- and, the, and these hoops that now you have to go into to try to play music. Instead of there's a people at the door, you pay these bands, and then that's it. You know, you buy the merch, that's the things like that. Why do why do promoters and why do places now need to have you end up selling tickets and making you do the work? Because they're yeah. lazy and and not doing and and not doing their own promotion. I feel like a booking company should be their own also promotion company or a second entity. There should be a person owning the venue, and there should be a person booking the venue, and then the bands will you know play there. How do you promote now? How do you do all of that? We got enough what stuff are the options? Do. We got enough stuff to do. I don't have time to go out there and sell tickets. To but I have mixed feelings on that too. Go At ahead. the same time, I mean, while it it does, it seems like a slimy industry, and it's you know feeding on kids that are hungry that want to play. You know, right. like I will sell a hundred tickets to my friends that see all the same shows. You know. But at the same aspect, you're playing on a larger venue, you know, that maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity with a larger sound company with like subwoofers out, like feel it in your heart, you know? So while it does suck and seems like a slimy business, you're playing at larger venues with bigger sound equipment in front of other bands. And it still almost has that notion of community and contact and networking with the other bands that are going through the same struggles. So the ends justify the means. In a yeah. sense. I mean, it's like it's like a catch twenty two. Like you know, like I'm for and against it at the same time. I, I don't know where I. But ultimately to me, lie. paying never really benefited. It wasn't worth the money. Like you never. Like my old band opened up for Breaking Benjamin at Headliners, <laughs> and, and <laughs> name drop. Literally got to. <laughs> I'm just saying, and it didn't do nothing for us. Like sure. it, we didn't gain any local fans. Our next show yeah. didn't have any more people. But did you it. fight to talk to their management team? Like that's an opportunity where you can talk. But it's that not was back in the, the day show. when like. When um, John Anderson was running Verso Group or whatever it was back named back then, and he wasn't making us do any anything like that. Well, he that's, just a, said, I'm that's on a local on. level. He, I'm looking at it as a as a you know we I, can we can talk about it and try to name drop or people like that on a, on a local level, and that's fine. But I'm looking at this as a grand scheme. Being from this side of the belt, uh, this side of the media. And, and, and while this is just a podcast, in the same breath, you know, working in the radio industry and seeing how much that has changed in the last decade. I've been yeah. in the radio for 10 years, and literally in the last five, really? it has changed immensely. You know, 
It's not like in the in the 30s. I'm still trying to eat a donut while I'm talking about this. Dude, that donut looks that so donut good. Really is, that, is that a Shout cookie? Oreo? Is, is that cookies and like cream? Cookies and cream or something? Yeah. Yeah. Shout, yeah. Out, yeah. shout out to Tim Hortons for this Oreo fucking cream. Right. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> dude. Sponsor. Not a sponsor. Later in the beard right there. I have a huge beard, Varee. Thank you. I'm going to clean it later. I wish I could store food in my beard. Give me a moment. Tim Hortons is so good. Oh, man. No, so the idea of just like the radio industry, people don't like people may like check out music. Now I'm self-conscious. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. I got it's you. Fine, it's fine. You're good. You um, got it. it <laughs> you know, people may still listen to the radio for music, for discovering music. But, you know, it, nowadays it's all this. It's all yeah. I'm holding up my phone. It's all this. This is where everybody gets their entertainment. Nobody watches shows anymore necessarily sitting down at a television in their home. It's on the go. And it's great. And it's super technology in your pocket. It's available. However... It has hurt the radio industry, the yeah. television industry, the cable industry, advertising, things like that. Even the music industry. Because, even the music industry. Now, like, people Everything. are actually consuming more music now than ever. So it's not even really close. There. I mean, I would imagine the percentage of your day that you're just listening to music uh-huh. or the background on your phone anywhere. There's so much more of it, but the artists are making less. They're about to make more, have, though, because so it's sort of like a really bill, strange so. thing. Yeah. That new bill that... Kid Rock, the what's it called MMA, the musician. Oh yeah, the musician. Yeah, the, musician. The, now will start getting more yeah, we'll, more money from streams. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. Kid Rock started that. Huh? Kid Rock started that. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, Steven Tyler. I, 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 I don't, don't, don't want to like you. You see that? Now you can't hate him. Kid Rock's not that bad. Was part of it. Um, no, Ten Nugent was part of it. Oh man, Ten Nugent two. That really sucks. Oh fuck! I hate both of them. Shit. And you're going to bat for everyone. Strang- Stranglehold still yeah. like one of the greatest songs ever, though. I'm gonna say it. good songs. They're just shit people. That's oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. He's terrible. <laughs> you see, I don't, I don't. Is Kid Rock a bad dude? I don't. I don't know think he is. is. I don't think he I don't is. Know he is. No. He just. I can't take. He's just, and this is my opinion. He's just kind of corn take, in the cob for me. You know, he, he, I mean, he like, appeals to tra- like he appeals to trash is, on both right. sides. Exactly, and that's why he's I like the unifier I, of trash. I don't, have, like I don't have patience. <laughs> I don't have patience for trash. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. So I got I to just, the like, room. the trash together and makes like a new. I just. I no. I don't know. Anyways, music and money. So how do we then? How do you get your buck? And how do venues and how can we change things up again? I mean, if we're talking about these theor- theories or ex- or you know institutions that need to change things up and executing. Then how can we do that? What is what can we bring to the table? What do musicians need to do? Like you said, Dustin, we need to as musicians. I'm just saying this: we as a royal, we mm-hmm. we need to take back our music. So how can we do that? I mean, some of it is developing relationships with these people who actually own these venues and trying to ex- work with them specifically. Like right now, we're having success with Howard's because we're specifically working with the owner and trying to develop a thing there where there's actually money, guaranteed money, and there's also like a guarantee of like us always performing at a certain level. And like mm-hmm. once there's an agreement there, over time we've been able to build something and it's been successful. You know, and we're getting guaranteed money, which is sort of unheard of sometimes in like the world of like original music for, for an yeah. upcoming band to have it guarantees. Yeah. That's huge. That's well, a huge step. So I've been trying to make a culture of that more as like, like there's no reason why we band should be going to these places and not getting paid. I mean, there's some, yeah. I mean, there's no one's there. That's a whole other thing, but a lot of that comes back to the venues themselves and like not really promoting. And I think it's, it comes back to like innovation and some of the issues, like not to pick on them, but they really right. have an issue where like, all they do is book bands. Like, 
and have a venue to provide it, but there's never really been an incentive to promote. And it's always been confusing to put on the bands when it's like, you're the business. And like, if you promote and people show up, you're going to benefit from that in some yeah. ways, maybe even more than the band will. By but how mm -hmm. do you promote now? Because now we have to pay money to boost posts for people. to. And they're not willing it, to so, do a lot of that stuff you know. as like, Venues just really like maybe they'll make an Instagram post and a Facebook yeah, post and then that's, that's it. it. That's you gotta it. share it and tell people. You know, what I mean, there's and how often do you go to venues and like the place doesn't even put up posters for the mm -hmm. show in their own mm -hmm. venue? You know, it's right. just like you can't. There's always like there's no. It's strange to me that there isn't a culture of that as much I, as there I used to be. I think, it, man. I just think that the world's different. It's so. I, I don't think it's honestly. I don't think you ever. You seen Ready Player One? Yeah. I don't think it's fixing it until like we're in a virtual world and you're performing the concert in that. Well, that already exists, sort of, doesn't it? Though, I mean, Damn you can put, it, you can put I on. The <laughs> I, I, I don't see people. At, I need like more coffee. I don't see a lot of people <laughs> at local shows like selling out in any city unless it's like a big artist that people know. Like, like. And that's about like it me. now, though. It is. It, it, there's sort of this next level that it's, where like it's, everything seems to be sort of normal. Like they sell out. There's a bunch of people, and there is that world that exists. But there's sort of this other thing that has become very confusing. So let me, let me, like, let me see this example. So let, me, let me place an example. There's a band out there that, you know, the members of the, of said band have done successful acts. Um, but their idea of starting, uh, the band is fever three, three, three. Cause I've, I, and the reason I'm putting this example out there, because I, I love the example, all three of them have done bands in the past. They're all part of very success. They started an act just on social media. Their first show was in a parking lot at a donut shop in L.A. But they were all already known. So but, it, yeah. yeah, so they're already known. So, but the example of this is like I love the organic growth of this. Is Even though all three of the members were known at the time, what happens then if a band can grow in an organic way of like this is – they perform this band. They perform at this place. And then now viral videos and, and sharing it around me, social media organically starts to grow to the point where then they start doing more shows and small little tours. Mm -hmm. Then they ended up getting signed. Then it's a huge national tour, international. Is that still is that path still possible nowadays? Well, they had Travis Barker tied to their name, so that was right, super right, easy. right, right. Yeah, like, yes, that's, not a, that's a good example. Yes, but it's not. It's a it's, <laughs> a, it's a good example in the in the theory of it. Of, the theory. Okay, well, okay, well then, how how about this example then? It's kind of a similar thing. There's a okay. lot of Toledo bands if Travis Barker's name was on it. Right, they would blow up. Okay, True. so uh, there's been a lot of bands that I see videos on YouTube of their sets and these are bands that have no ties to Travis Barker or any other bigger band or right. anything like that. Uh, a lot of times when that South by Southwest happens or uh -huh. whatever. So there's so many um, DIY shows that are around that festival mm -hmm. to where like I've seen videos of bands like uh, there's a band called Trash Talk that's from California and um, there's a video of them just playing like on the front porch of a house in Texas during this time and people were just going nuts. Uh, there's there's other videos of bands like uh, I'm pretty sure I don't even want to guess because I could be totally wrong. But there's just there's some bands that play like in like a random parking lot, um, or some that play like on the bridge of a, of a highway or something. And it was all during that that festival. And sometimes you just see like 10 second clips of this that's on Twitter, and like oh look what this band's doing. And they're like, oh, what band is that? And then you go and you check them out and stuff. And nine times out of ten, has nothing to do with the music whatsoever. It's just seeing a band take <laughs> take take that next step and being that vulnerable and doing something that someone else might think, oh, that's stupid. Why would I? And that's I what Fever Three 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 did. They right. opened up the back of a U-Haul and the drum set was set up and they jumped out and played. Like, right. Yeah. 
like you it's that, so, that was dope. So now I mean, it goes back to the whole like, what the fuck is up, Denny's? Yeah, it goes straight up to that. Cause, yeah, because to be honest, when you the music that they're playing, I think is really bad. But that but video, <laughs> but the video was really cool though. So I'm about so, to go set up in Chick Fil A's playground like, like they have on the indoor. <laughs> and, and, so it's it's that. now it's, this is how we take back the music. Is is just now starting to do, do the music to gain attention and break that system of playing that bar scene, playing that restaurant yeah. scene. Put the music out there and 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 do it in a way that it breaks outside of that box. So then the new norm and the new box is just people playing music. Yeah. For the sake of playing music. Peapod pop-up shows at Swan Creek Park. <laughs> yo. Yo. Boom. Bro, We're announcing it right now. Pop-ups. Starts in half an hour. <laughs> All right. Everybody grab your stuff. This is really awkward. From the airing of this. So that's Friday. We have a week to plan. <laughs> Fuck. Let's go. <laughs> so so let me wrap it up. So let me wrap up with this this one question then. So in, in each of your individual music careers and the different steps you have taken then. So what is then a bucket list goal for yourself? What do you want to eventually take your music to? Uh, like, what would be, yes, this is a big success for me. What is it? Or if, unless you've already done it, what is that? For me, it's just always playing in bigger events, bigger shows. We've been fortunate that I haven't had to ask for work in the last maybe two years. That's awesome. Everything that we've gotten booked, people have reached out to us. You know, again, whether or not the scene agrees with how we go, you know, like how we do covers and originals. Did you ever think about doing going under two different names? So doing that, we did in the very beginning, and it was just like, why does it matter? I mean. I, right. It's me. I'm still gonna play my song. It would song just get rid of that. Too. Yeah, it would just get rid of that. Right, thing. but, but it, again, it seems to not make a difference. Yeah, if it don't make, no. no. I mean, it, if you're happy with it, if it's bringing you joy, yeah. then, then that's the goal right there. Yeah. yeah. So. So like you yeah. know, like I said, like our last year and a half, I hadn't had to ask for work, and I'm very fortunate. The whole band's very fortunate. You know, we yeah, all sweet. appreciate it. And you know, this summer, this past summer, we've been playing on larger shows, larger stages. Um, opening for bigger acts, you know, and it's for us, for me personally, I feel like that's the path, the route that we're taking that I appreciate. You know, I feel like we've done what we're supposed to do, you know. That's amazing. I guess for me, as corny as it sounds, my dream has always been like, look out, even if it's like 50 people and they're singing my words back. Oh, that's, yeah, just, that's, that's, that's just that's just like because even when I have like two friends that are out there like singing along to my songs or like people at work walking mm-hmm. by me going oh hi oh, oh. I'm like that's so that's freaking cool I guess now I just don't realize how many people because I'm a waitress and I'll go out to a table and then I recognize them and I'm like are you from you know are you from Willard or something and they're like oh my god you're that Varie girl aren't I mean well it's very Vari, not Vari. <laughs> it's mispronouncing. But I guess that feeling is like nothing beats that feeling when like your music has reached people that you don't even realize. And mm, so I guess I can't. Feeling. I guess I can't really ask for anything more. But I mean, it would be nice to make like well thirty thousand a year and not, <laughs> and not have to carry a tray anymore. But yeah, take care of my family. You know, use my music platform for more important things like. You know, saving the freaking planet. I don't know, like certain things like that. Just to, life is not about me. It's not about you. It's about all of us coming together. So I guess that's what I want to use my music for to like let people know, like we all in this together, baby. Hell yeah. That's it. You know, that's how I feel. Uh, for me, it's changed a lot. I mean, ideally, the goal at this point 
I mean, some of it's because of my age and just sort of where I'm at is sort of like seeking longevity and something that can provide some monetary. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't see myself wanting to play music and that's the only thing I do. I've never like, not that I would get sick of it, but there's, there's so many other things that go along with someone yeah. who's like the traveling, the politics, like just all kinds of stuff that could go along with only doing this one thing. So, but like I said before, this is the only thing I've been committed to and that I think about every day. And so if there's something that you're committed to every day and you're always working on it, like I think if you can find a way to monetarily make that work for you should work. Like right now the band exists. It's taken 10 years to get to the point where we just sort of, we break even like none of us are, are losing money. None of us are having to spend money to be in this band. That's like a step one is like, this isn't like a hobby. To me, a hobby is stuff you spend money on. Like you lose money. You're just doing it to do it. Like right. we've gotten to a point now where we actually exist and provide for ourselves. So then the next step is actually being able to have something on top of that to do more with. And also just traveling. The Like part of me is wanting to use music as a way to, to meet people and yeah. be places that you would never be otherwise. And I think music kind of gives you that ability to go places and do something that's sort of non-traditional you know, making a bunch of noise and screaming and doing that's a weird thing in itself, but being able to go to different parts of the world and connect with people would be awesome. I, again, like, I don't think there's so many musicians who are successful who aren't rich, you know, I think in the end of it, like you can see that as an outlook, it might make you stake more committed and like, Oh, I'm never going to be rich and famous. And that's why maybe some people give up, but yeah. that's not a, you can still be very successful and do your own thing. Um, and that's kind of my hope, you know, to make, and also like, like what he said too, is changing the music to where you are in your life too, to like start to make music that you can make your whole life. I can see if you're in like a really intense metal band, it's going to be hard to correlate that into like your seventies or eighties or something. Right. It's a lot yeah, of energy. switching it up now. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I guess this could be considered on the cornier side too, but uh, there's no such thing as corny. It's only corny oh. because people say it's corny, but if it's, if it means to you, then it, it's worth something. I, I push the envelope sometimes, but uh, <laughs> no, I would just say uh, at the end of the day, like I just want to continue to just making music that I really enjoy with, uh, with the two guys that I consider my best friends. And, um, and I think, you know, as long as we just keep, that mindset and we keep kind of like doing everything how we want them to be people will either catch on or people mm-hmm. won't and that's totally fine because uh i i accepted a long time ago that like music is probably not going to be something that i'm gonna financially benefit from and i'm totally okay with that but um if i can still tour and meet new people and, and that's another thing too i want to make as many friends in this world as i can and i've been able to do that and um making friends is cool and like meeting people that you really <laughs> like is really cool and um i, don't I think know. you've got you've made six today so exactly <laughs> yeah so it's like you know like and and it's all because of music otherwise i would have never met any of these guys <laughs> <laughs> There's seven like, people in the building. <laughs> Minus one. Right. <laughs> Don't try too hard, but Evan, that I, I love I love what you said and making and making connections. And that's really a big thing that yeah. I personally yeah. like to do with this is just and like the idea of this like 
nobody in this room was familiar with anybody in the beginning of this. Or you may have heard of yeah. some of the other acts or anything, but you've never sat in the same room. And I have just helped put together five different people that's, of all walks of life in one room so cool. and shared so many experiences with. And that, to me, is a beautiful thing. That's, that's music's one of so the reasons special. I do this. And this is why this is my creative outlet instead of my 9 to 5. Um, because, to be honest, I would love to drop my 9 to 5 because I fucking hate it. And I hate where it's turned <laughs> turn to and what it's done. But I, in the last... In the last few years, I have made so many connections because of that spark and that first object, but it's been my work and it's been the connections that I've made to meet you beautiful people. And I'm so excited to share more of it and share those experiences and have something physical that I could share and go, listen to this, get an experience with and go from there. Yo, shout out the Peapod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all in my show by name. It's not necessarily the work. It's all of you. But Ryan, if you want to... Uh, well, I used to have like you know the bucket list, a couple of things that I got to do. So they've changed, you know. I because of, you know white, you know Whitey. Yeah. So he, I, I always wanted to do Warp Tour. He got me on one day to that, so that was a bucket list thing. And then I always wanted to do another country, and I sold my car to do that a couple of years ago. Wow. So, and then I gained my car back a year later. So, <laughs> so but now that I've done that, I just want to do a song with Aaron Hertzfeld. No, <laughs> I mean, he's great. I know, I really do. But no. Uh, I honestly, I, I've always done music that other people have produced and then I wrote the lyrics and sang over it. So now what I'm doing is, I want to put out an album where I do everything. So that's why I started learning. I bought a bunch of equipment. I started learning piano. I picked my bass up and got myself back onto that. And now I've been making music that I'm making everything and programming the drums and doing all that. So now my bucket list for music is just to come out with an album that's not Rain Wilder. It's it has a different name, and it's not. It's more like a alternative rock, pop, hip hop, electric thing you've never heard. And <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So, Hell so they've cool. changed. It used to be more like the I want to do the cool stuff, tour stuff, uh, famous stuff, whatever. Now I got kids. Now, you know, I don't want to be away from them. I w and like you said, it's not always money and fame. But you know, a, a cool thing would be to like, like she said, make a cool. You know, thirty, forty, two hundred fifty thousand a year. <laughs> <laughs> he goes thirty, forty, two hundred fifty. I mean, I would be mad about two hundred fifty. It's a scale. <laughs> <laughs> you know? All right, I'll take twenty-five a year and a Tesla. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. So, so yeah. I mean, the goals have changed, but it's. I'll, I'll always do music, whether it's five people listen, mm -hmm. hundred people listen, or whether it's make nothing. I mean, honestly, I've not. I've made money off music, but I've also like. It's costed me money too. It's cost me a lot, like yeah. especially yeah. like lately buying new equipment. You know, and I gotta get reimbursed for that somehow. And yeah, I, I played a show a few weeks ago, made a hundred bucks. Made a show, played a show a couple weeks after that, they gave me twenty five. It's like you never know right. what you're gonna make. And they had the same amount of people at the sh each show, so I don't know how that works. But there, there, <laughs> there's nothing more humbling than making ten bucks on a show at, on tour, and that yeah. happened to us before. So, and it's like, wow, two bucks a piece. It. That's like a couple <laughs> hot dogs. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, we went to Taco Bell afterwards. So I mean, right. it was, it was, it was there right you go. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And then you ate like kings because ten bucks goes like. What's your What's your tacos. bucket list? Because oh, you I are, know. whether you know yeah. it or not, you are kind of a musician. But you're like the musician that doesn't play an instrument. I want to eventually. You know I mean? I, I, and I've said this before. I eventually want to make this kind of the same level. I, I've gotten huge experiences with this podcast when the radio station that I was on went away. And at first, I wanted to be known on the radio, and I still do, because I, I, I love entertaining people. 
Um, but I've learned more and more, especially in more of the different places I've done. It's not, it's not fully about me. It's only me for what I am offering. It's only me for how I am doing it. Um, so eventually I would like to make this, what my project is this, and I'd like to try to start making money off of it. Um, or breaking even, to be honest, I like break even. So, <laughs> uh, I like, I'd like to try to get more people to like this. I want to get more and more acts to the point where this is, this is a stop yeah. in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, much like Audio Tree or Little Elephant or anything like that. I want this to be a place when more and more touring acts stop or they're coming through between, you know, soon, you know, coming up on the podcast, we got an act that is, uh, that is out of Chicago that I've had uh, my eye on for at least six months. Loom? Yep. Uh, that, Sh- shout out to Dylan. Shout out to Loom in a couple of episodes. And, Those uh, are our boys. Yeah. And uh, they're coming back from tour and they're making a stop. Just to talk to us. Really That's good awesome. Band. And I'm very That's happy cool. about that. And that was something huge for, for me. And honestly, a big bucket list. Um, this is our 50th episode. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. What? So, That's like, I, 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 have, I have done this now my way in, in the way I've always dreamed of. I was inspired by the BBC Radio 1 performances and the Like a Virgin out of uh, Australia. Uh, of these bands that would come into a studio, do a studio performance, and then do it their way, uh, and show them the the way. Whether you do a stripped down version of your song, whether you debut brand new music for us, that live essence of the, uh, and then making the message the star. And that's why I got into radio, and that's why I got into, and that's why I got inspired by music. And you know, that's what I want is I want to share the message, and I want people to learn a deep dive and give. The reason why. So that's why I want to do this. And that's my success is doing more of that and making this a stop. And you will. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. So much love for you guys. So right now, cheap plugs, your shout outs, your whatever. Pop-up show, Swan Creek Park, (laughs) a half an hour from the airing of the show. You know, I should really put up a. Uh, I, I, I am. I will say, I am working on trying to do a, a on the radar podcast um, showcase. Of like different acts that I've had on to show off, um, but it's very hard to do it because I want to do it again my way, and I don't necessarily want to fit into somebody else's mold. I want to do it my way, so I'm working on that as best I can. It'll work out better for you if you do it like that. Yeah, that, and that's and that's what the biggest thing. So um, my cheap plugs will be at the end, but Carrie, go ahead and uh, if want, if people want to get in touch with Amelia Earhart, how do we do so? Oh yeah, we're on the Facebooks on Amelia Earhart. Um, we are on Instagram. I don't know how to tweet. How do you spell Amelia? (laughs) Amelia, A-M-E-L-I-A. And then Earhart's, but not like her actual last name. Um, we do air, like the air and hearts, H-A-R-T-S. Okay. Cause see for, I don't know how to spell Amelia. So So probably other people who can learn something today. That would have been hitting the little microphone. Good question. Amelia. And this is gonna be an, uh, is this, this is gonna be a harder one. Varee, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your stuff and I, what you got I coming up. I was curious how to pronounce yeah. your name. Yeah, whenever I, I was like, sick. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I was just like, hey. it's actually my middle name. I was named after my great grandma. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So cool. it's like Marie, but with a V. That's what I that's always cool. try to tell people. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Varee or Varee Hannah is like my personal one, but. I invite everybody to uh, come be my friend on there. I have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Varee H Music on Twitter, Varee Music on Instagram, and the new EP and music video will be out this summer. All Ooh. right. Can't wait. Super excited. Dustin? Uh, Trina Leaves, we are pretty much on all the social medias. Pretty much just 
whatever the slash Trina leaves is, that's how you find us. Uh, we have a monthly residency at Howard's in Bowling Green. So if you're interested in seeing us, we're going to be playing once a month there. Come down to Bowling Green, Ohio. Um, we always bring uh, a really great regional act um, to open up for us. So that's kind of like uh, what we've been setting up. And we're just uh, recording some new music this summer. Working with Ben Cohen, uh, who has a great studio called Dream Louder uh, in Toledo. So we're excited to work with him. Uh, like a great producer so that's kind of where our focus is and just trying to play out of town a little bit cool um you can find all of outside's music at gooutside.bandcamp um i think there is a band called go outside so i'm sure i pissed them <laughs> off when they <laughs> which is totally fine uh and um all of our social media is outside the band um and we don't have any upcoming shows at all uh we're gonna be doing a little run in august that we'll be announcing shortly and um we're recording a new record at the end of the month with jc griffin over at lake bottom studio and um, that will that will be out uh (laughs) on a a label called head to wall records out of columbus yes head to wall so um so yeah so that will be Later this year or early next year, I'm not really sure. So I want to shout out to Head to Wall for a moment because they were so nice and they were so nice because recently we did small stresses. Shout out to Josh and Nathan from there. Yeah, they're the, they're the dudes for sure. Yeah, and small stresses is great too. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan, hi, hi. <laughs> cheap plug time, cheap plug. Uh, at Rain Wilder, that's Rain with an E, R A I N E. All that, Apple Music, Spotify, everything like that. Also, the side project I'm announcing, it's called Polar Equals. The EP called Equal Poison will be out early 2020. So I wanted to put the name out there on your show, but that'll be some different kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. And I want to do one more shout-out. Travis, please get in here. Ow, ow. Yes, get the in man, here. The man, oh. the myth, the legend. <laughs> Peapod pop. This is your this is your studio. It's only right for you to talk about it quickly. So yeah, no, yeah, he loves talking. doing this stuff. You're talking. That's his favorite. Okay, so here's the thing. So Travis has been with us uh, for the On the Radar podcast for a little over six months now, and he's mm-hmm. never talked because uh, some of our other producers <laughs> talked. I'm putting him on he the spot for the so 50th, bummed right now. The 50th yeah. episode. <laughs> You're gonna talk about it. Give us so the address. Excited. And the and the and the places for Bigfoot Studios. He's thinking right now. I can edit this out. I know it. <laughs> All right. So I'm opening a, a new studio in Waterville, Ohio. It's at 214 Farnsworth Road. And uh, yeah, I'll be moving everything in this week. Uh, whatever the week is. It's very nice. It's bamboo floors. Yes, bamboo it's floors. We've got a nice uh, wood. It wall. smells really nice in it here. It smells so. good. lots of bound leather smells books. Like a, studio in town. New car smell or something. Yeah, rich <laughs> mahogany. <laughs> it it, it kind of smells like a guitar center, the acoustic guitar area where yeah. it's all wood. I love. It. I'll go sit in there and just sit in there. I love it. He has like it's a so dope sick. LG. What is that? Air conditioner? Oh, it's, it's fancy in it's here. Nice. Yeah, it's you, you will be cool here. and content in here, straight up. This the is the future. Yeah, and I'll I'll be bringing in a bunch of cool equipment for all you musicians and gearheads to play around with. I got a baby grand piano coming in here Ooh. and a bunch of boutique guitar amps and bass amps and uh. Just a bunch of fun stuff. I hope everyone enjoys it. <laughs> I'm coming to play piano. <laughs> All right. Thank you, buddy. You did good. You did good, buddy. 
<laughs> I just embarrassed the shit out of him. You sure did. <laughs> Sorry, brother. I love you. He waves by as he scurries well back in the yes, control well, room. That's what, that's what, it's only fair. It's only fair. I Like I said, I am only as good as the people that I put on and the people I work with. So, And that's why. So you can follow this podcast on all the major social media. It's whatever backslash on the radar PC, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we have a Patreon. So uh, if you feel like you want to do a monthly donation, uh, you have an opportunity to get some insider look and also uh, all the sessions that we've ever done. Music, musician, musically, excuse me. <laughs> I know how to talk. Uh, musically. Um, you can get that for a couple of bucks a month and help us support us, uh, support our guys and stupid rad merch company who has a uh, great Midwestern place. And you can save 20% off of an order with their line of clothing and accessories. Uh, we got all that and, uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Google play, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just find the podcast platform of your choice bit B I T back, uh, dot L Y backslash on the radar podcast. And each letter in on the radar podcast, first letter is capitalized. And go check that out. Ladies, gentlemen, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your schedules and doing this. I am Peapod. You are you. Don't fight it. Feel it. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for listening for another great episode of the On the Radar podcast. Peapod pop-up shows 4659 Airport Highway. <laughs> <laughs> 30 minutes after the show. <laughs> All right. Time for that cage match. Let's All right. Go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Brass knuckles. <laughs>